Welcome to episode 101 of the Truth Quest podcast, The Truth About May 2020. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as socialism in America, lessons learned from the coronavirus crisis, price gouging, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, or secession comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean.com, and most recently, ThinkSpot. The video version of the podcast are available on BitChute.com and Brighteon.com. If you're listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment to scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook and Twitter advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Let's start out with what was clearly the biggest story of the month. That not being the coronavirus. Wait, what the hell are you talking about, TruthQuest guy? COVID-19 was by far the biggest story of the month. Au contraire, mon frere. The biggest story of the month was the acknowledgement of the illegal railroading, blackmailing, extorting of former National Security Advisor to Trump, Michael Flynn. See, the Justice Department announced that all charges against Flynn were to be dropped. New evidence was released demonstrating the FBI agents attempted to lay a perjury trap for Flynn, hoping he would be prosecuted or fired. The evidence also suggested that they knew he had committed no crimes. The loony left pitched a fit. They called for Attorney General Bob Barr's impeachment, many of them from crazy actors like John Cusack, which I'm not exactly sure why we're supposed to care about what they think about politics. From him to Congressman Shifty Adam Schiff and Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer all cried about the rule of law. The rule of law. These people are divorced from reality. The only thing they care about is procuring power at any cost. If they cared about the rule of law, they would have condemned the framing of people for crimes they did not commit. They would condemn and prosecute those who lied to judges in order to get approval for wiretaps. They would condemn and prosecute FBI agents who threatened to arrest someone's son unless the person pleaded guilty, i.e. Michael Flynn. They would not condone and or participate in a silent coup against the sitting president of the United States based on a lie. Congressman Shifty Adam Schiff, the guy that for two and a half years appeared nightly on CNN and MSNBC proclaiming that Trump was a Russian asset, proclaimed that dropping the Flynn case, quote, put us back in the category of almost an emerging democracy, end quote. I'm sorry, but Schiff has about as much credibility as O.J. Simpson did after his acquittal for murder. That man is the epitome of a corrupt, do-whatever-it-takes politician. Then Flynn's attorney, Sidney Powell, implicated the anointed one, Obama, in the Flynn railroading. Quote, the whole thing was orchestrated and set up by the FBI, James Clapper, and the CIA, former CIA director John Brennan, and in the Oval Office meeting that day with President Obama, said Powell. When asked if she thinks Flynn was a victim of a plot that extended to Obama, she said, quote, absolutely, end quote. 
Come to find out, when 57 transcripts of interviews conducted in the early days of the Russia collusion investigation, former Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates told the committee it was Obama himself who told her about Flynn's phone calls with the Russian ambassador. Oh, but according to the corporate press, there's nothing to see here. Let me pause right here and say that if you think Obama has no knowledge of what was being done to Flynn prior to the inauguration, then you're a fool. His hands are dirty. Then we find out that over a dozen separate members of the Obama administration requested the unmasking of Flynn, which basically means that the feds were listening in on the phone conversations of foreign assets, and when those calls were transcribed, any non-targeted American citizens who happened to be on the call, by law, those names must be masked. It makes sense since the Constitution protects us from unreasonable search and seizure and probable cause laws, of course. However, members of the executive branch apparently have the ability to request a so-called unmasking. And man, oh man, did a bunch of Obamanites request said unmasking. I wonder why there was so much interest. Then we move from the slam-dunk acquittal of Flynn to the presiding judge over the case, the one who at one point said Michael Flynn was guilty of treason, or he called him a traitor. He refused to accept the dropping of the case by the prosecutor. Imagine that. The prosecutor drops a case, and the judge says, Nope, you must go forward with the prosecution. There is no prosecution if the prosecution refuses to prosecute. Are we living in an alternative universe? The judge should have been impeached on the spot. But as I have documented countless times throughout these episodes, Congress is worthless. They have abdicated their duties in any number of ways, one of which is to impeach federal judges who violate the law, the rules of evidence, and or the Constitution. The second biggest story of the month was, of course, coronavirus. The shelter-in-place orders have slowly been lifted. Well, kind of. Anyone who can work at home is still does so. Tens of millions of people remain unemployed, many of them whose former employers will never reopen. We had a salon owner in Texas get arrested for opening her shop prior to the government-dictated reopening orders. See, the salon owner argued that most of her stylists are single mothers who need to work to feed their family. Then the Texas Supreme Court ordered her release from jail. To date, there have been over 5.5 million confirmed coronavirus infections. Brazil's confirmed cases exceeded Russia late in the month, claiming the second spot of countries with the most confirmed cases. All 50 states reopened during the month to one extent or another. Crowds flocked to the beaches. The corporate press roasted Republican governors who reopened their states and ignored Democratic governors who did the same thing. A J.P. Morgan Chase study was published with the conclusion that the lockdowns hurt the economy and failed to change the course of COVID-19. Then, miraculously, a couple days later, de facto president Dr. Fauci flipped his position saying there could be irreparable damage if lockdowns due to the coronavirus pandemic went on too long. Trump suspended travel from Brazil as the COVID-19 cases mounted in that country, as I just mentioned. The CDC admits that COVID-19 antibody tests are wrong half the time. Then the CDC announced that the real fatality rate of the coronavirus is 0.26%, 8 to 15 times lower than the original estimates, proving yet again that one-size-fits-all, top-down government dictates by far are the worst route we could or should have taken. 
I've said it many, many times on this podcast, and I have no reason to think I won't be saying it to my dying breath. The federal government has a 100% failure rate. As Europe and the United States seems to be turning the corner on the virus, as the month of May ended, Africa, Russia, and Brazil are in the midst of the worst of the virus, with death tolls still climbing. Economically speaking, here in the States, we got the worst jobs report in the history, with over 20 million jobs lost and unemployment rates near 14.7%. Of course, that's the official number and doesn't include business owners, contractors, and gig workers who are not eligible for unemployment benefits. As a matter of fact, a smaller share of American adults were employed in the month of April than ever before. Records go back to 1948. The employment-to-population ratio, which measures the share of Americans above the age of 16 who are employed, fell to 51.3%. A year ago, that percentage was 60.6%, and the previous low was 55% back in 1954. J.P. Morgan Chase suggested that it will take 10 years for the economy to recover the jobs that were lost just in the last six weeks. The inevitable bankruptcy tsunami began. Retail landlords have been sending out thousands of default notices to tenants who experienced a collapse in foot traffic since we're all supposed to stay at home. So sales and cash flow are down, and they can't pay their debt obligations. Some high-profile bankruptcies included Lord & Taylor, Hertz Rent-A-Car, J.C. Penney, again, J. Crew, and Nordstrom. A new survey from the Society of Human Resource Management found that 52% of American small businesses expect to be out of business within six months. Gold finished the month up a meager 2% over the course of the month. Silver finished at over $18 an ounce, up a staggering 20% during the month. The S&P 500 and the Dow were up just around 4% each. The sexual assault charges levied by Tara Reid against Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden continue to be ignored by the corporate press, national Democrats, and the Believe All Women crowd. Prominent Democratic politicians and activists alike have stated things like, I believe Tara Reid, but we'll still vote for Biden. And I believe Biden is a rapist, but he should be the next president. A court declaration from 1996 corroborates Reed's claim that she was sexually harassed while working for Biden in 1993, this according to the Sacramento Bee. Biden himself has called for a full investigation into Reed's allegation, but he refuses to open up his Senate papers to an independent review. The audio of phone calls between Joe Biden and former Ukrainian President Petro Poroshenko were leaked explicitly detailing the quid pro quo arrangement to fire former Ukrainian Prosecutor General Viktor Shenkin, who Poroshenko admits did nothing wrong. But that was all done in exchange for a billion dollars in U.S. loan guarantees, which Biden openly bragged about in January 2018 at the Council for Foreign Relations. So essentially, Biden did what he accused Trump of doing. Then Biden appeared in an interview on The Breakfast Club and went on to say, quote, I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, you ain't black. Then we got confirmation of what all of us who have not been beholden to a political agenda or stuck cheerleading a particular political party already knew. The entire Mueller-Russian collusion investigation was a lie. The sociopath Adam Schiff, the corrupt intelligence community leaders like Brennan and Clapper, former law enforcement bigwigs like James Comey, countless other national Democrats, whack-job talking heads on TV and on the internet, 
columnists and sold-out Republicans like Trey Gowdy all lied for three years about the Russian collusion. How did we arrive at this conclusion? Well, remember those 57 transcripts I mentioned a minute ago? Well, under oath, none of these people claimed that Trump was a Russian agent. And you know what's worse? National Republicans had the power at the time to get to the bottom of the lies. Yet Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, Richard Burr, and everyone else didn't do a damn thing about it. Coming on the heels of the railroading of Michael Flynn and the evidence of the fraud known as the Mueller investigation and the subsequent impeachment of Trump came the Obamagate moniker from the troller-in-chief Trump, which sparked a much-needed renewed look at the supposedly scandal-free Obama administration. Now, mind you, this is a self-proclaimed claim, this idea that the administration was scandal-free. The claim itself is outrageous, but it's the balls of the guy making the claim that really fascinates me. He knows he's full of shit, but he also knows that the corporate press will cover for him. He's just forcing their hand, and they lovingly oblige. Obama once said, quote, Actually, we have not had a major scandal in my administration, end quote. I guess it depends on what the definition of major is, huh? The View's Joy Behar said, quote, President Obama, for eight years, was completely scandal-free, end quote. And NBC's Tom Brokaw said, quote, He's been scandal-free, frankly, in the White House. We haven't had that, what, for a while? End quote. Oh, is that right? Well, besides the Flynn and the Mueller charades, how about Fast and Furious gun running? Or Obama's Attorney General Eric Holder, self-proclaimed wingman of Obama? As a result of the Fast and Furious, Holder was the first sitting member of a president's cabinet in the history of the United States to be held in contempt of Congress. Or what about Benghazi? It was bad enough that neither Obama or Hillary sent in reinforcements, but to then go out and blame a video which mocked Mohammed and Islam in general for the attack and actually have the filmmaker arrested demonstrates the height of arrogance and knowledge that corporate press will not actually report the news. How about the next Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, meeting on the tarmac with Bill Clinton right in the middle of Hillary's non-scandal, illegal, not-so-secret email server? Talk about corrupt. That woman, Obama's Secretary of State, should have been charged with a felony and should be in prison to this day. How about the IRS being weaponized and selectively targeting conservative Tea Party groups? Or the shovel-ready jobs that weren't so shovel-ready? Or, or Jeremiah Wright? No controversy there. No scandal there. Or the vast expansion of the Federal Register as regulation strangled the economy throughout the Obama administration. Or Obamacare. I mean, everything about Obamacare was a scandal. Need I refresh your memory of all the repeated lies that Obama, the scandal-free messiah himself, proclaimed over and over again? It was rated the lie of the year by PolitiFact. That's back in 2013 when Obama said, if you like your health plan, you can keep it. Or what about Pelosi when she said, we need to pass the bill to see what's in it? What about the spying on journalists? Ever heard of James Rosen or Cheryl Atkinson? Look them up, I dare you. Oh, and what about the NSA spying and the surveillance of all of us? It directly violates clearly written articles of the Constitution, like search and seizure and probable cause. That's not a scandal. I suppose Obama's handling of the Middle East, the Caliphate, the Arab Spring, Libya, Syria, Iraq, the creation of ISIS in Syria, you know, the JV team, none of that was scandalous. I could go on for days on this stuff. I should just publish an entire episode about the scandals of the Obama administration. 
How about Bo Bergdahl? The destruction of Mosul on Obama's watch. The abuse of veterans in VA hospitals. The Colorado River pollution. Google EPA Colorado River Orange. Or what about Solyndra? Do you remember the General Services Administration spending spree in Las Vegas in 2012? Or the Secret Service sex scandal? Do you remember good old Timothy Geithner, a tax cheat put in charge of the IRS? That's not a scandal. How about Obama's increased drone strikes, some of which targeted U.S. citizens? How about his handling of the Ferguson, Missouri situation or Trayvon Martin? How could $400 million in cash put on pallets and flown to Iran be considered a scandal? Look up Gibson Guitar if you're curious about another non-scandal of Obama's. If something similar to any of those things happened today while Trump is president, every single one of those stories would command a 24-7 news cycle as the corporate press takes the American people from one crisis to another. President Trump announced that he has taken hydrochloroquine and zinc at the direction of his doctor. The media, of course, went batshit crazy because if Trump does something, it must be evil or stupid or illegal. Pelosi acted like you would expect a senior stateswoman to behave by suggesting that a morbidly obese man like Trump should not take the pharmaceutical cocktail. Tucker Carlson, on Pelosi's fat-shaming remarks, said, quote, People with glass faces should not throw stones, end quote. I don't care where you fall on the political spectrum, but that's funny. Neil Cavuto of Fox Business chastised the president for being reckless, saying the drug will kill you. I cannot stress that enough. This will kill you. CNN's Sanjay Gupta declared Trump's decision to consult with his physician, quote, terribly irresponsible. It sets a bad example and dangerous, end quote. A few days later, Trump decided it would be a good idea to accuse MSNBC's Joe Scarborough of murdering a staffer who worked for him when he was a congressman some 20 years ago. Trump announced the United States would terminate its relationship with the World Health Organization. He had previously called for reforms within the organization following their, shall we say, lackadaisical response to the COVID-19 crisis. Essentially, they were a propaganda arm of China early on in the crisis when China was suppressing the truth. And finally, the Pentagon announced plans for an expected announcement from, by Trump to pull thousands more troops out of Afghanistan. I'll believe it when I see it. All month long, we were treated to the corporate press angelic treatment of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo being hailed as a godsend, a hero, a possible replacement for the bumbling Joe Biden, all for his response to the coronavirus outbreak in his state. Turns out he forced nursing home residents who tested positive back to the facilities after being hospitalized, which resulted in thousands of COVID-19 deaths in those facilities. Keep in mind, Trump sent an entire hospital ship to New York City to care for COVID patients. These elderly patients could have easily been cared for there. As the facts started leaking out, Cuomo blamed President Trump for his decision, saying he was only following the federal guidelines. Then a week later, he blamed the nursing homes themselves. This guy is not only a coward, he's a weasel. Meanwhile, in states run by governors with an IQ above 80, nursing homes were commanded not to accept any residents back into their facility if they had been diagnosed with COVID-19. Far fewer deaths resulted in these states, but the corporate press is still finding ways to bash these Republican governors and ignore the criminal negligence of Cuomo. Joe Rogan signed a $100 million deal with Spotify to carry his podcast exclusively. The National Democrats' most recent attempt to commit voter fraud ramped up this month as they pushed for mail-in voting nationwide. 
I will be producing an entire episode on this topic soon. Speaking of vote by mail, Twitter fact-checked a Trump tweet that stated his opinion about vote by mail, namely that it will lead to voter fraud. Oddly enough, Twitter has yet to fact-check anyone associated with the Russia collusion fake investigation or anyone who spreads lies about Michael Flynn. I wonder why. Maybe it's because Twitter's bias towards conservatives and Republicans. Want to fact-check that opinion? Here you go. Turns out that the Twitter exec in charge of the effort to fact-check Trump has a history of anti-Trump posts. His name is Joel Roth, and he's Twitter's head of site integrity. What an ironic title for a platform that is literally a cesspool of hate, lies, slander, and verbal abuse. A few days later, Trump signed an executive order targeting social media companies. Essentially, he is removing their liability immunity from what is said on their platform. Back in the day, this provision was added to some piece of legislation because the platforms claimed that they were not publishers and that, therefore, they could not be held liable for something slanderous or false posted by someone else on their platform. Except now these platforms play favorites, they deplatform people, they shadow ban others, and, and selectively fact check. As the argument goes, this now makes them, in the eye of the law, no different than any other news outlet that can be sued for libel and slander. By the way, I hate all executive orders. They are abused by all presidents to one extent or another. In a related story, a 26-minute documentary called Plandemic was pulled from YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. It only remained on free speech platforms like BitChute.com and Brighteon.com, who also got blocked by Facebook. Check this out. You can't even post a link to any video on Brighteon.com on Facebook. They block it. Not just the pandemic video, but any URL on Brighteon.com. The documentary examines the response of global governments to the coronavirus and alleges that special interests, including vaccine producers, have the most to gain from the worldwide crisis. The documentary has generated controversy, obviously, over its skeptical view of mass vaccination programs and its critical take on Dr. Anthony Fauci, God incarnate and is critical of the advice given by experts to stop the virus, including stay-at-home guidelines and masks. Also, videos by respected doctors were pulled down from these same platforms because they contradicted Fauci's early calls for an economic lockdown, even though that is Fauci's current position. Now you know why Trump went after Twitter with the executive order. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo declared Hong Kong no longer autonomous from China. Pompeo's statement warned that the law jeopardizes Hong Kong's special status that has been given it favorable trading relationships with the United States. Trade between the two exceeded $66 billion in 2018, and Hong Kong has been exempted from tariffs that the Trump administration imposed on China. Things are getting ugly in Hong Kong, for sure. The month ended with the bang, literally. A rocket ship designed and built by Elon Musk's SpaceX company lifted off with two Americans on a history-making flight to the International Space Station. The spacecraft took off from the same launch pad at Cape Canaveral, Florida, that was used during the Apollo missions to the moon a half century ago. The flight ushers in a new era of commercial space travel and marks the first time NASA has launched astronauts from U.S. soil in nearly a decade, as we've been using Russia to carry our astronauts to the space station. I want to end the episode with the story that is making the most headlines, that being the riots throughout the country resulting from the death of a man in Minnesota at the hand of the police. A video emerged showing a white police officer, Derek Chavin, kneeling on the handcuffed victim, George Floyd's neck, during his arrest. 
Floyd was heard repeatedly telling the cops he was in pain and could not breathe before losing consciousness and later dying while in police custody. The four officers who answered the call were fired with calls mounting for them to face murder charges. Shavin was charged with third-degree murder and manslaughter. You should see the rap sheet on this officer. Lots of complaints lodged against him, and I think he was involved in two other shootings. This was bad in and of itself, but then the rioting and looting and burning started in Minneapolis. Dozens of buildings there and in St. Paul were destroyed. A Target store was looted. An AutoZone store was burned to the ground. The mayor of Minneapolis ordered the police to abandon a precinct that rioters were targeting. It was subsequently burned to the ground. Nothing says law and order like surrender and flee. I want to share with you a post I made on Facebook the day after the first night of rioting in Minneapolis to kind of capture the tone of what's going on. Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry said, quote, Being black in America should not be a death sentence, end quote. CBS's Gail King said, quote, It feels to me like open season, and that it's just not sometimes a safe place to be in this country for black men, end quote. I wrote, In situations like this, feelings are rarely helpful. Hyperbole never is. However, facts are always helpful. That is, if you're seeking the truth. Perhaps in the coming days, Gail or CBS or Jacob will provide some evidence to support their open season death sentence comments. According to the last census, African Americans comprise almost 20% of the population in Minneapolis. Near as I can tell, there have been 32 people killed by police officers in the city since the year 2000. Assuming that all 32 were African American, which they were not, does that correlate to open season and a death sentence? What about excessive force complaints or profiling complaints? Do those numbers correlate to open season and a death sentence? Let's, let's see the evidence. Perhaps people in positions of influence should avoid stoking the flames, especially while the city is literally on fire, especially when everyone agrees that what the officer did was excessive and criminal. Literally no one disagrees with what the outcome of the situation should be. So why the completely unnecessary stirring of the racial pot? Of course, the rioting and looting and burning spread to other cities throughout the U.S. In Atlanta, the CNN headquarters was attacked and police cars burned. In Houston, over 200 people were arrested. There was a state of an emergency in Portland. Gatherings of semi-com protesters and a rioting occurred in D.C., New York, Charlotte, Phoenix, and Oakland. Minnesota Governor Tim Waltz summed up the current chaos erupting nationwide perfectly when he said, quote, This is absolutely no longer about George Floyd or addressing inequities anymore. This is an organized attack designed to destabilize civil society. That was the month of May, 2020. If you're looking for an easy-to-read reference guide to have on your desk or bookshelf that covers many of the topics tackled here on the TruthQuest podcast, grab a copy of my book, Critical Thinking, spelled with a P like Peter. The subtitle is The Lost Art of Critical Thinking and Common Sense in Politics and Public Policy. In it, I tackle dozens of public policy issues from a pragmatic and logical perspective. It's available at Amazon and anywhere books are sold. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for more information. And as always, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.